are in our last week of our Now What uh, series, and we've just been talking about these Now What moments that we all uh, have experienced before in life. Maybe during this series, a new Now What moment kind of erupted into your world, and sometimes those Now What moments are amazing kind of mountaintop experiences where you kind of lean back and you look at life and you're excited and you're filled with uh, joy and forward thinking and the future looks so bright to you, but more times than not, they're kind of the valley experiences where you kind of lean back going, now what? Uncertainty just surrounds you, the unknown, uh, you, can't, you can't see the future clearly. And you find yourself just going, now what? And the Bible's clear. And no matter uh, kind of what point in your life, whether it's that now what uh, mountaintop experience or one of those valley now what experiences, that God says that we can experience immeasurably more in our life. We've used this kind of short phrase through every week, and it simply says this, that more is attainable because God is able, that God truly wants you to experience more, immeasurably more. In this life, on this earth, for you to experience what he has planned for you. But the issue is this. We usually default to what we do. The things on the outside. Our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our creativity, our drive. The things that everyone else looks at. We usually default there. But God says, hey, it doesn't start on what you do on the outside. It always starts with who you are on the inside, your heart. Paul used the word, uh, your inner being. And God wants you to focus on the condition of your heart. That's why I challenged several weeks ago, hey, develop a to-be list. What are those character, characteristics, those traits, those uh, attributes that God says, hey, you need to focus on those things that are inside of you that no one sees, but they start to grow and change you from the inside out. Last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul wrote these words to a church located in Ephesus, and he said this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That word, Worthy means a beam that's being balanced. And Paul's getting at this thought that, that, that uh, when you take a step and make a profession of faith, for some of you, you've taken that step where you've uh, named Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've taken that step. Paul's saying, if you've taken that step, then on the other side, your practice, how you live your life, they should be in balance. Not, not perfection, but that decision, that spiritual decision that, that lands right in the center of your heart, your inner being, and how you live out your life, it should be in balance. Because God understands what's going on inside of you will always come out by what you say and do. The condition of your heart, God dwelling within you, always is reflected on the outside. But that's where the tension lies, doesn't it? We've all had these moments 
maybe about uh, 21 minutes ago on the way to church, right? What you say and you hear those words coming out of your mouth and you find yourself going, oh, wow, that sounded horrible. We find ourselves uh, positioning comments, hedging truth. We find ourselves pushing people down to raise ourselves up. We find ourselves looking at things that we shouldn't look at. Going, ah, I shouldn't, and why did I? And I, I knew better, but I just can't, or I seem not to be able to figure it out. And we find ourselves in this battle being waged within our hearts. And then we start thinking to ourselves, well, but I'm better than that person. <laughs> I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not as good as that person. But, and we find ourselves trying to position ourselves to, to, to make us feel better, but yet the battle so wages within us. We jump into the Bible, and we read these words in the Bible and it's easy for us to kind of put this, 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 this kind of spectrum of goodness or holiness out. And you put some people way down here going, like, yeah, they're really bad. I'm not that bad. And then you start looking at people in the Bible like Moses and Abraham. And they're like, they're really close to God. And we try to put ourselves somewhere in the middle. See, I'm not, I'm not Moses, but I'm not, I'm not that person. And then we jump into these letters that Paul wrote. And you're like, well, that's Paul. Like, he throws out all these great thoughts, these spiritual challenges, but it's Paul. Paul's up there with Abraham and Moses. He's, way, he's really close to God. And we're like, see, but he, he should say those things. And he should challenge us because he's that spiritual. I'm not that spiritual. So we feel safer to say, oh, I'm okay with where I find myself and the condition of my heart. Because, hey, I mean, that's, that's Paul, that's Moses, that's Abraham. In the book of Romans, chapter 7 Paul has this really kind of authentic moment. What I love about the, the book of uh, 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 Romans is this another letter to a church in uh, the city of Rome. What I love about this book, even though it's probably one of the most theologically challenging books you could ever make your way through, and I would challenge all of you to make your way through it. It will expand your mind. Uh, what I love about it is it's a little different than these other letters like Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians, these other letters he wrote to other churches. Because you kind of get the sense in Romans that Paul's sitting there and he's talking out loud. And there's a scribe, someone sitting there, writing down what he's saying as the Holy Spirit is working through his heart. But he's processing through what God was saying through his heart and him as a human being. And you can feel this tension throughout this, this entire letter, especially in chapter 7. Listen to what Paul wrote. Although I want to do good, evil is, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. He's talking about this, this law, saying God has this purpose and this plan, these guardrails for me to live between. That's God's law. God does have a plan. And there's things that he wants me to do and not to do. 
And he goes, I recognize the fact that, that God's law is at work within me, waging a war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. I think all of us, all of us could have written those words. I mean, I read those words, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've had those thoughts before. Like, God, I know what you want me to do. I know what you want me to be. I know how I should act. I know what I should say. I know how I should respond. I know how I should think. I know how I should, but man, then I don't. What a wretched man I am. And if Paul would just stop there, it'd be a pretty dark ending. But I think Paul was sitting there and he's talking and he's processing through his own sin and his own darkness and who he is and the struggle he has because he wants to follow God's law, God's guardrails for his life. But yet, man, he knows what he just said to that one person at that one. He like he gets the picture. And so I find I kind of have this image where he's sitting there just going, oh, what a wretched man I am. And I think the scribe kind of looked up. And this got dark really fast. I hope there's another thought. And then Paul said these words. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Because Paul understood that one sin made him a sinner. And one sin, one sin, he wouldn't get eternity. He understood it. And he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. I think the scribe in that moment said, okay, good. Paul hasn't gone off the deep end. But that's the source of hope. And Paul, as he was sitting there going, what a wretched man I am. But God has delivered me through Jesus Christ. You see, For some of you in this room, you're tired and weary because you feel like or you have been taught that you have to earn your way to heaven, that you have to be good enough to get to heaven, that you have to give enough to get to heaven, that you have to repent and confess enough to get to heaven that you have to be at a certain level to get to heaven and you've been trying and trying and every time you fail you're like oh no I failed again I did that again I thought that again I said that again I ah and so you're working and working and working trying desperately to get to heaven and I have some great news for you one sin One sin keeps you out of heaven. Just one. And you probably did that in the last 22 minutes. One sin. One sin makes you a sinner. It's not degrees of sins. It's not, well, I haven't done the really bad ones yet. I mean, there's little ones, but the little ones are okay. Right, God? No, God just sees sin to sin. But the source of hope 
is when Christ chose to get on a cross and to be the last sacrifice that his blood covers all people, all sin, for all time. When Jesus on that cross absorbed God's holy and just wrath for you. Why? Oh, because God loves you that much. In such an amazing, radical act of love, God said, my son paid the price. His blood covers you. So if you think, and if you've been trying to work your way to heaven, God's saying to you, stop. It's been done. It's, your sin has been paid for. Through Jesus Christ, when you accept him, his sacrifice has made you whiter than snow. And so we're going to jump into a list of things today. And for some of you, every time you get to these lists in the Bible, the do's and don't lists, and they're throughout the whole Bible, uh, if you're like me, you quickly read through the list. You're like, yeah, yeah, don't do anything fun. Okay, keep going. For some of you, you know, it's like, oh, no, here's another church. They're talking about all the things I can't do. I don't want you to feel this weight of guilt. Because the lists in the Bible aren't meant to be a weight of guilt. To point out all of the ways you've fallen short. God knows you've fallen short. God knows I've fallen short. Hence why Jesus died. What I want you to see these lists, the one we read today, and any other list you come to, is God saying to you, hey, here's the guardrails. And if you invite me into your heart to give you the power and the strength and the wisdom, that these lists of do's and don'ts are really there to help you experience an immeasurable life. That's why they're there. Because God knows what's best for us. And so today, I want you to see this list as a list that will breathe hope into your heart. A list where it's God saying, hey, really, pay attention to these things. Because when, when, you allow God's strength to take hold of these things in your heart, you'll start experiencing a life immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. So Paul's going to jump into this list. It starts in Ephesians 4. He says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, must work doing, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Okay, well, let's take a breath. We're halfway there. For some of you, you're kind of excited because you know some of these lists, and you're like, oh, wow, he's not going to the real hard list yet. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for that day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, 
brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Now, some of you are really, really excited because you're like, oh, yeah, that's the easy one. There's no drunkenness and gluttony and sexual immorality. It's not that list. Woo! Here's the thing. It doesn't matter the list. This is the truth. It's what we do. This is our human tendency. We want to take these lists and these, these character qualities, these attributes that are really uh, uh, are, are part of our inner being, and we like to quickly just put them out into this outward framework. And so if you're like me at all, we look at a list and we kind of look at, at it like this. Out of those eight verses, I've kind of uh, brought together uh, kind of 12 do's and don'ts. I combine a couple, uh, and so you kind of get these 12. And you start looking at a list like this going, oh, okay. How many, uh, how many check marks can I kind of fill out here? Because we want to feel kind of good with ourselves, right? We don't want to feel totally depraved. So we look at these lists, and like I would quickly uh, check off, don't steal. I don't need to steal. God's blessed me. I don't need to steal. Like That's not something I struggle with, so I could check that off. I'd feel good with myself. I'm, a, I'm even that guy at a restaurant when they give, uh, give me a bill. I'll, I'll look at the bill, and, and if they didn't charge me for a drink or a, a meal, I'll tell my server, which always shocks them. They're like, what? Did you just... Like, yeah, I, you didn't charge me for it. I just want to let you know that's not on there. I had a friend one time go, well, Chris, it's their mistake. Like, if it's their mistake, you shouldn't have to pay for it. And I paused for a moment. I'm like, okay, let's carry your logic out a next step. Let's say I leave my house unlocked by accident. Does that give you the right to come into my house and take everything? Chris, your mistake. No, it doesn't. So for me, I could quickly check off don't steal. I could also check off don't brawl. Uh, th that word is a great word because in the original Greek, it, they, they give this word picture of a raven, like, like, like with this guttural, like, Bleh! I worked on that. That's all. That's free for all of you. Like, that's what it is. And they talk about how it's this, this real kind of vicious verbal attack. I'm like, well, that's not me. Some of you work for someone like that. You know, well, that's not me. That's easy. And then I could quickly go up to don't be filled with rage or anger because uh, I'm not an angry guy. I'm not that guy walking around looking for a fight primarily because if I was walking around looking for a fight, I'd, I'd get demolished. I'd get beat up. Uh, I would just lose. So I'm like, that's easy for me. Um, we could pop over here and say, uh, be kind and be compassionate, like I can mark those off, and now that's five out of 12, and five out of 12, if it's Major League Baseball, that's a great batting average. That's 416, 417, right? I'm in the Hall of Fame. I'm doing great, but, you know, I could probably do better, but it gets more difficult because some of these, you know, we, there's a little bit of rationalization that has to happen. For instance, uh, uh, be generous. We ask this question. Well, how much do I have to give for God uh, to consider me uh, to be generous? 
don't we? That's a question. How much do I need to give? Give me the amount. Give me the percentage. Give me uh, just in a year or in a month. God, what? Because I want to be able to check this box off. Like, what should I give? And God's like, that's the wrong question. Because when we ask that question, when we think that question, that gets back into our hands, our outer actions. And God says, no, no, no. I want to keep this right in the middle of your heart. This is a heart issue. Generosity is a heart issue. And you know what God would say to you? All. Whole. Ouch. Did that hit a nerve? All. That's what God would say to you. Say to me. God would say, I want you to be willing to give it all. I might not ask for all, but are you willing to give all? Because God wants your heart. He wants your heart. And so God's saying to you, well, to be generous, you need to work to a place where you're willing to give God all. And whatever he asks from you, underneath all, is generous. It gets harder. What about don't lie? We probably all frame this one as like there's a big major don't lies, like the big bucket of lies. We're like, yeah, don't lie. Like some of you have fired employees for lying, right? If you can't trust people, you can't work with people. If you can't trust clients, how can you, right? So we get this big bucket called lying, but yet there's all these little white lies that we like to rationalize. And you might say, well, Chris, like, you can't always tell the truth, can you? Like, what if, like, like, like you're looking at someone and you can't really tell them what you're thinking right at that point? For instance, here's a for instance. You and your spouse, you're sitting at a, uh, one of your kids' choir concerts or musical, and uh, you're watching this whole thing, and the girl who uh, has the lead for the, the choir concert or the musical, uh, uh, she's singing, and you're sitting there going, yeah, our daughter should have got that, that role. Uh, she's she's kind of better than her. And then you start thinking, well, man, she's not singing on pitch. And you start thinking to yourself, isn't that important? You know, to sing on pitch? If you're singing, you should sing on pitch. And you're sitting there the whole time, but you're smiling, but you're thinking like, man, she just can't sing. Maybe she's having an off night. No, she just can't sing. She can't sing on pitch. And then right afterwards, her parents walk up to you, and you walk up with a smile, and you're like, oh, your daughter, she sang so great. She was awesome if she was on pitch. <laughs> of course, you don't say that last part out, out loud. Is that lying? She sang great. See, I'd, I'd, I'd ask a different question. While you were sitting there, having these thoughts go through your mind, thinking that your daughter should be the lead, not this other girl, my question would start off by saying, is that pride? Is that a pride issue? Could this girl who got the lead ever, ever measure up to the fact that your daughter didn't get the lead? That's where I'd start. But yet, in those moments where you're like, well, how do you tell someone the truth when you didn't think? Maybe she was really pitchy. 
how do you tell someone the truth? I'm like, there's a whole list of other things you could say to encourage these parents. You could say, man, it was awesome seeing her give her all. She gave everything she could on stage. Gave everything off pitch, but she gave everything she could on stage. There's always something, right? Because here's what happens. When we start lying about the little things, it makes it a lot easier for us to start lying about the bigger things. And that's why God says, don't lie, period. Don't lie. Because if you can lie in the little white lies of your life, then you find yourself lying about the little bigger things and the bigger things and the bigger things. And the next thing you know, you're knocking on this big bucket that you thought you would never lie about, but now you are. Don't lie. You see, this gets more difficult because now we have to look at this uh, uh, be forgiving one. See, this is where it gets real difficult. Because the thing with forgiveness, it's always so personal, isn't it? Because for you to, to forgive someone means that someone has hurt you. And usually, that person that hurt you is close to you. And that's why it hurts so deeply. And that's why those people are, it's so difficult for you to extend forgiveness to. And God says, no, be forgiving. Extend forgiveness. This week, I found myself in a moment. Last weekend, I talked about these four attributes that we should, you know, start working on within our heart and inviting God in to help work, work on our heart. Uh, their humility and gentleness and patience and to lift each other up with love. And this week, I found myself on the phone with my wife, and she was sharing a story with me of something that just kind of happened, and it has nothing to do with Renaissance or anyone here. Um, it's a whole other relational issue. And uh, I found myself just going to this dark place, going, ah, God, that's not right. And God, why did they? And why, God, this it's not fair. And I found myself just wanting to kind of launch out and attack. <laughs> and then God slapped me. I said, hey, Chris, you remember last weekend when you preached four times? about extending patience to people. I'm like, no, God, we edited that out of the video. That doesn't count anymore. And I found myself literally sitting there going, oh, God, you're right. I need to extend patience to these people. Yeah, they've hurt me, and yeah, it's not right, and yeah, I want to do something to vindicate my pain. But God has called me to extend patience because I realize the patience He's extended me. And I realize all of us are sinners and messy people. And you know what happened in that moment? Instead of my heart getting deeper and darker, God started to renew my heart again. And I was able to go, thank you, God, for extending patience to me. It was a powerful moment. And for some of you, you're sitting there right now going, but Chris, if you understood what this person did to me, 
If you knew the details of what my dad did to me, what my spouse did to me, what this business partner did to me, if you really knew the deep and dark details of what they did, you would even say, yeah, don't forgive them. And I get you're still sitting there going, but Chris, no matter what you say, I can't forgive them for what they have done to me. And I would say to you, you're absolutely right. You can't forgive them. You can't. You see, we look at this whole list on the wall, and really, you can't do any of these things. And that's the whole point of this entire series. It's about God's power at work within you. See, we want to default to what I can't and can't do. And God's saying, I already get that you can't. And God wants to do a work within your heart. And I would say to you, if you're having trouble extending forgiveness to someone, go to a God that placed his son on a cross. A son that did nothing wrong, never sinned for you. He understands. He understands. And invite God into your heart and say, God, give me the strength. God, you give me the capacity. God, you give me the ability to forgive that person. Because if you don't do that, bitterness starts sinking its roots into your heart. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because bitterness has already sank its roots into your heart. And bitterness is like weeds. It will take over your entire heart. And that's why God says, be forgiving. Because if you don't forgive, even the person that has hurt you and wronged you at the deepest level, if you don't forgive that person, bitterness will take over your heart. And God's saying, I will give you the strength to do that. You see, we could keep going through this list. We could talk about uh, 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 be cautious while speaking. Shoot, we could, we could put check marks all over this board. But what I want you to know is this. That God wants to do immeasurably more within you for you to experience a life here on this earth beyond your existence, beyond your dreams, but it's according to his power at work within you. You see, before this list that Paul writes, he sets it up this way. He writes, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We, we've used before, and maybe this is new to you, we haven't used it in a while, but we use this kind of timeline-looking chart. And it kind of looks like this, where zero kind of represents this line. Uh, for some of you, you've taken that step to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so zero represents that step. And on, on one side, we have plus one, plus two, up to plus five. And honestly, the pluses, the specific numbers, they don't matter much on either side. What matters is this. 
And Paul was talking about your old life before Christ. And when you invite Christ into your, to your heart, you become new again. It's a new life. With Christ dwelling within you, growing within you, changing you from the inside out. And through God's strength and his power, he can renew your heart. And that's how you experience this immeasurable life. This is how you experience it. And for some of you that find yourself over here, I would just invite you, continue to take spiritual steps. And remember, Jesus said, it only takes faith, that of a mustard seed. The smallest amount of faith you can imagine. Smallest amount. Because it's not about the quantity of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. And I would challenge you to keep growing, taking steps. And if you find yourself on this other side with this new life, keep taking steps to grow. Invite God in. Continually invite him in. When you have dark moments, invite him in. When you have great moments where you're like, oh, I can't believe I actually you know, typed a good email and hit send or the evil email I typed out, I hit delete. Like Those are great moments right? that you celebrate. And the times where you go, God, I need your work in this area. God, I need your work in forgiving. God, I need your work in generosity. God, I need your work in whatever area where you invite God in and you realize it's not your strength. It's him working within you. And Paul wrapped this whole entire thought up by saying this in Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God. That's your target. So many times we want to compare ourselves to each other. You know, again, I'm better than that person, but I'm not as good as this person. You read the Bible going, well, those people are so close to God. And God just says, no, 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 don't compare yourself to anyone else. The target is God. Be imitators of God. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering in the sacrifice of God, as a fragrant aroma. You see, I want you to walk out of here today understanding the life that God wants you to experience here. I want you to walk out of here today understanding and grabbing onto God has promised to give you all you need, but it starts within it starts with you realizing, not according to your strength, it's according to his strength. Not according to your talents, according to God. Not according to your purpose, but according to God's purpose. And when you start realizing that God wants to work in you and through you, to have you experience an immeasurable life, you start viewing this entire life through a different set of lenses. You see, we go back to the very first week where we looked at this one simple verse that Paul wrote this. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's hope, and that's power, and that's encouragement, where God says, I want to be that connected into your heart 
where we realize we don't have to lean on our own power, our own understanding, we lean on him. And that he's renewing our hearts daily in this new life. We wanted it in this series because we really hope that you leave grasping onto what God wants for you. Whether you're on a mountain peak now what experience or you're in the valley, that God wants to do immeasurably more.